It's Easter. Amen. And you know what's coming on Easter. Preacher talks about resurrection. Jesus overcame death. We sing some songs. And then Monday comes. Did it change anything? Has it changed anything? Should it change anything? Will it change anything? My friend, resurrection changes everything. Everything. It's been said if it was only the cross and the tomb never was empty, the cross is in vain. I mean, without that tomb being empty, <laughs> we'll just get a little Danish and some fruit and go home. If it's all just about the cross, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make the cross small, but I'm saying if it's just the cross and no empty tomb, we're, we're still a mess. We're still a mess. The resurrection changes everything, my friends, everything. I want you to go to John's gospel, John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I want you to follow with me. Verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, saw a stone that had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples. The one Jesus loved and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked into the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth. That had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded by, up by itself, separated from the linens. And finally, other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. And what do we know about that story? Well, first we know that Peter just flat jacked slow. That white boy can't run. I'm, I mean, he had a head start. He's like, thank you, finally here, Lord. He ain't in there. And I mean, Peter finally gets there. They don't even go in because they're like, you know, alpha dog, and here yet. And so they don't go in, and they just wait, and then finally, you know, Peter goes in. But that, that, we know more than that, okay? But the first thing we know is Peter just, he just slaps low, all right? He just slow, all right? But what do we know about Peter? Like Peter, we are often guilty of living on the wrong side of Easter. Now, that's a crazy title for an Easter message, living on the wrong side of Easter. But we do. We do. We too often live on the wrong side of Easter. How often do we live our lives as if Jesus died on the cross, but he never rose again? How often? I know you're thinking, well, I don't do that. Hang on. How often do you doubt his promises in the midst of tests and trials in your own life? How many? When Peter came to the tomb that morning 
It was life-changing. I want to draw your attention back to verse 7. I want you to see it again. So Peter gets there. In verse 7, as well, he sees the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. And the cloth was folded by itself, separate from all the other linens. It changed everything for Peter. You say, well, how do you know it changed everything? It's a good question. I want to show you this. Go to Acts chapter 2. Flip over just a couple of pages. Acts chapter 2. One verse I want to show you. If you think it didn't change Peter. Understand, man, Peter, Peter is running up to this point. Before they ever came and got him. He walks in and sees the linens. And here's what happens in Acts 2. Here's what he preaches. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Later, he goes on preaching, repent and be saved. Repent and be saved. And we know later in chapter 2 that over 3,000 were saved and added to the kingdom that day. I'm going to say something to you. When Peter went in that tomb, it changed everything for him. My friend, listen to me. That stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. It was rolled away so you and I could go in. Man, when you go in that tomb and you look at those linens that had wrapped his body it changes you forever. Many of us are on this side of the stone. You ever went in? When you go in and realize that he is risen, it'll change everything in your life. And man, if you're looking at it from the cross only, you're just looking at it from, I'm saved. Oh yeah, you're saved, but you're more than just saved, my friend. That salvation of the cross is when you die, you'll be resurrected to heaven. But don't you want to live resurrected before you have to be resurrected? I mean, are you going to allow the world to continue to kick your teeth in? Or are you going to live like a risen king's kid? Because, man, when you go in that tomb and you realize those cloths are still there folded, you realize that he is risen for sure. What happened? To this fearful fisherman. Hmm. He experienced the power of Christ's resurrection. You remember that before all this happened, he's running. He don't want to be associated with Jesus. Jesus said, the car is going to crow three times, you'll deny me. Man, he realized that they were killing Jesus and he could be next. He didn't want any part of him. And then later he walks into that tomb and he sees that and it changes everything for him. He discovered that there was no stopping Jesus. No stopping Jesus. Have you discovered that? I want you to watch this. We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. 
We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel, and why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is, this has gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper? What, what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We want Barabbas. Yeah, give us Barabbas. People say, give us Barabbas. The Roman soldiers come up and they put the key in and they unlock Barabbas from his chains and shackles. And he walks down the platform, welcomed by all of his thug friends. Yeah, the people love me. Yeah, that's right. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is, but all I know is my people love me. There seems to be no conscience in Barabbas. There's no record of him turning to Jesus and saying, I owe you everything now, for you have set me free. No, I don't see any of that in Barabbas. And God knew that. Jesus stood there, silent, for he knew the will of the Father. He said, it's fine, Father. Let him have Barabbas. For Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free. No, 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 no. It was the love of the Heavenly Father. Gospel. Are you bound? 
Are you held under the power of this temptation, this sin? Do you feel like it's controlling you? What are you going to do? I'm going to shake myself free. Stop it. No, you won't. You're no match for the powers of hell and the urges of sin. You will not overcome it, and you will never overcome it. You'll just be another statistic. There's no answer within yourself. Your own marriage, your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids. There's only one. And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas and they start to take my chains off and I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me say, no, son, let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No! God, I say, I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. But God, what if I do it again? I'll still be here. Oh God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins. This is all we got. It's all I got. It's all you got. We can play games. We can play church games. We can pretend like some people are better than others and that's why they're blessed. Or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God. And it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, so high? so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive. Let me have your sin, son. Okay. When I give him my sin, let's stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him, I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. And I feel the love of God saying, go, son, live your life. I'll pay the price. Where did we get off thinking that we were going to set ourselves free? It's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. If his blood is sufficient for your salvation, his blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough.
Are you living on the wrong side of Easter? Or do you truly believe that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you? The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. If you're born again today, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Where do you need resurrection today? What area of your life do you need resurrection? John 10.10 says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Have it to the full. Listen, here's the truth. The enemy has taken, stolen something that God intended for you to have. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Today, on this Easter morning, don't let it be another Easter where you say, wow, Jesus rose from the dead and the tomb is empty. No, I want you to go in that tomb physically. Go in that tomb and touch those linens, touch those garments, and know that that stone wasn't rolled away for Jesus to get out, but for you to go in and for you to live a life of resurrection, that no more condemnation on you. I can't. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. Yes, you are. If you were not He'd still be in there, but he's not in there, so you are. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we got to quit living like he's in that tomb when he's not in that tomb. He's not in that tomb, and you're not in that tomb. And child of God, it's time for you to experience the resurrection like you've never experienced it before in your life. This morning, during this invitation time, I want you to physically go in that tomb. If you need to touch those garments, touch those garments. And you realize that he's not there. He is risen. And you realize that the same power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Lives in you. I want to ask you to close your eyes. Every head bowed. One simple question this morning. What did the Holy Spirit say to me in this message? Not to the person next to you. Not to the person you wished would have come on Easter. But what did the Holy Spirit say to you? through this message. For some of us in this room, there is never, ever been a time that you've experienced Jesus Christ in your life. There's never been a time that you've accepted him as your Savior and Lord. There's never been a time that you believed that he died on the cross from you and, and rose again. Don't walk out of here on an Easter morning if you have not been born again.
for many of us that have been born again, we're on the wrong side of Easter. We're living on the wrong side of Easter. Our life has no power. Our life makes no difference. We're no different today than we were before. For some of us, we need to walk into that tomb today. Touch those garments and realize he has risen. And the same power that raised him from the dead is the same power that lives in you today. So this morning, I want you to let it go. What do you need him to do for you today? What do you need? Father, this morning, as we stand for invitation, God, may we absolutely say we need this today. We need a resurrection in my marriage. I need a resurrection in this relationship. I need a resurrection in me. Just ask today. Just ask. The other disciples reached the tomb. They went in also. And they were changed and believed. Father, move us now. In Christ's name, amen. I ask you to stand, church. You come if you need to come this morning.
Holy Spirit, that's our prayer today. Holy Spirit, here is what. 